This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we're back. And we've missed you. Also, Sam is celebrating Sober October, mid-May. <laughs> Charlene <laughs> is nesting. And we chat about Baker's Day. Plus, Sam chats to author Amelia Mayer about her book, Finding Your Forever Family. Hello. May fuck, Marilise. How are you? I am fine. How are you? I'm fine. Have you seen that video? I have. It's hilarious. <laughs> Shut the butchick. Ach, man. Um, it's been a while. Like, we did have an episode out last week, but we recorded it before mm. Easter. My it feels God. like forever ago. I, I must admit, I'm feeling a little rusty. It's okay. It's like riding a bicycle. Like, all of the things that come naturally, usually, <laughs> when we do these recordings, yeah. I'm feeling like I'm... Falling about a little bit today. Well, I think that's also because we're sitting on Elijah's bed. <laughs> Recording in a different space today. Uh, we've been kicked out of our space, folks, <laughs> listeners. Uh, we are no longer uh, in our studio in my kitchen. We're actually <laughs> back to our spot where we recorded our very first episode yes. uh, out of all of them. And it, it's quite nice to go back to, to our primitive roots. Jeez, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, it was... <laughs> yeah, the, the sound was... Com- I, I, we recorded on your phone. We did. We recorded <laughs> on my phone to see, is this thing going to work? Is it going to work? And you know what? It... It did so well. Like the the content was just magic, and I couldn't let I couldn't re-record it. Or you know, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to. We wouldn't have been able to replicate the the mood and the tone of the, the discussion that we had. The yeah. very honest discussion we had about motherhood. So, if, so the quality was collateral damage. Exactly. <laughs> if there's if there are any listeners who have yet to listen to our very first episode, which we aptly named "Hello," <laughs> then I urge you to go back. Go listen to it. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's yeah it's it's good uh, content. It's uh, very different to what we sound like nowadays. <laughs> but you'll get the feel for why we've started this, why we're we're doing this podcast, and why it's so important to us um, as moms trying to operate in this world. Yeah, so yeah. Ugh, yeah. Why are you sobering in October? What's the story here? Yeah? I mean, I noticed that the usual full glasses of gin wasn't waiting when I arrived. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> What's happening? I haven't had a glass of wine in like more than a month. Mm. It's hard. <laughs> Even harder is the coffee that I'm off of. That, I must be honest, I couldn't... <laughs> I like my alcohol, don't get me wrong. But I've gone without alcohol before. The, the not having coffee, oh my God. So, I mean, I've spoken a lot on the show about my anxious urethra (laughs) (laughs) and um, just like your gut is like your second brain that communicates stress and anxiety and that's like a lot of people who suffer from IBS, it goes hand in hand with anxiety and that's the same thing that's happening with my bladder. So, it's kind of a double whammy. Here I am, you know, trying to... um, come to terms with my anxiety but my diet's not 100 percent, and i think that also and and i'm not sleeping because i'm working until all hours and Mm. um so i'm trying to take better care of myself and unfortunately wine is not the best thing for people with anxiety go figure oh man and (laughs) yeah what what is that they said about drowning your sorrow so that's like not a thing it's not it's no (laughs) Just making everything. But it's not a useful thing. And obviously (laughs) coffee, not great for anxiety. So I'm trying to be more zen. I'm trying to um, clean up my diet a lot. You know, I don't typically binge on a lot of sugary, fat goods. But it's not that. It's... It's things, you know, it's just, it's things that I depended on to kind of function in the day. Oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine to wind down from a hard day. I'm going to have coffee to pep myself up in the morning. Mm. And yeah, sure, your diet might be fine in in the day, but the fact that you're putting those liquids in your body is worsening your anxiety. Well, at least it is, that's the case uh, for me. Okay. And so it's, I must say, 
Also, in toning down the simple carbohydrates, I'm gluten intolerant. Please don't. She's like, you're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> out there is going to roll their eyes at me saying I'm gluten intolerant because it's like the CrossFitters and the vegans. <laughs> if you're gluten intolerant, everybody has to know about it. Well, folks, I'm sorry. But it's if you want the gory details, DM me and I'll tell you what happens when I have gluten. But it ain't pretty, folks. <laughs> oh my God. So it's a full-on diet cleanup and I have to say this. I have a lot more energy and clarity. Okay. And I'm I feel like I'm getting there. Like the stuff that would send me on an emotional roller coaster still is, but a little less so. So I feel like I'm better able to cope. That's insane. Like what you eat is like affecting your emotions. Yeah. I, like I can understand caffeine and that kind of stuff, but what? My yeah. mind's being blown here. And for and how that would affect my bladder. That all of those things that are irritants in terms of uh, my anxiety that stimul that are stimulants actually mm, mm, mm. are also bladder irritants. Hence, the more anxious I get, the more my bladder acts. Up. Oh my god! Uh, what I know. So I know. you're kicking ass by way of feeling more energized and having more clarity is what you're saying well, with yeah. this detoxification essentially. Exactly. Okay. So I think I am. I think I'm feeling great and um, feeling positive, and I'm spending a lot less time behind my laptop after hours. Okay, that's cool. So that's also a part of a, a digital um, detoxing my body, and I'm, mm. I'm, it's a bit of a digital detox as well. So, yeah, getting there. How Need are, it. How are you kicking ass? I am. I, I've just come back from a little break. We went to the coast with the family. I came back not knowing my ass from my elbow, but I'm back in the swing of things, and I'm happy to report I know now can point out my ass and my elbow Good, quite okay. successfully. <laughs> and I um, I feel like I'm nesting. I don't know what's going on with me. It's like I need to declutter. Are you pregnant, Charlene? Highly doubt it. Okay. Highly doubt it. Um, no, I've, I've been sterilized. So unless there's some like <laughs> miracle. No, stranger things have happened. Yes, immaculate <laughs> conception. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know my house. Is, I don't know if it's seasonal or if like in winter when you become all cozy, like you nest, you scrub nest or like a cozy icy to hair. I don't know. But yeah, I have a serious issue at home in terms of storage space and everything is just cluttered in my house. And I think it's also, also comes with that seasonal change of having to put away my summer closet and now bringing out the winter wardrobe and wardrobe and so doing a lot of decluttering yeah but not successfully like I'll have like I'll start one day and I'll, I'll declutter like one cupboard and then I'll get sidetracked and uh, but at least I'm doing something but I don't about think it. you can do it all at once no it's too much so I feel like if I clean one drawer a week and like I've sorted out the man drawer and those 17 million paper clips and and little tomatoes or sachets from KFC that for some reason accumulate in the bottom yes. of the drawer that have expired four years ago, <laughs> I've now gotten rid of. Then I feel like I've accomplished something. So that's how I'm kicking ass. Can I tell you? I'm disposing of tomato sauce sachets. From four years ago. <laughs> I know of someone who takes a week's leave off work and she doesn't have kids. I need to add that. To spring clean her home. She spring cleans her home. She does all of that. And that just sounds like an absolute dream to me. And I'm thinking, when can I take a week off and not have Elisha with me? What have we become? Like, what have we I, become? I cleaned the kitchen counter, like I tidied the kitchen, I think, maybe for the seventh time on Saturday. And when I was done and I looked at the clean, sparkly kitchen countertops and nothing lying around like random business cards and a key holder and some Lego blocks stuffed into a jar that don't really belong there, there was just nothing on my kitchen counter. Clear and I looked at surface. it and I said to Rhett, mm, this is making me hot right now <laughs> he burst out laughing and he was like hashtag parenting it that's literally what you <laughs> things like that excite you yeah it's sad yeah this is our life now <laughs> anyway yeah so i think i'm kicking ass by by making some progress with the decluttering good for you but anyway and i'll tell that. you what i want to do it's my dream one day <laughs> i will get it. there because those things do accumulate, right? On the table and wah, wah, wah. And have you seen that some people have like, because the shit belongs to one of you. 
It's got to, yeah, it's got to go somewhere. It comes from somewhere. It's got to go back somewhere. So some households, this is a very Pinterest thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a lot about Pinterest in this episode. So bear with me. Uh-huh. Um, but you have like a basket, like a little laundry basket or a little shoebox even. Mm-hmm. And then for all the communal areas in your house, especially for when the kids get older, you have people's names on it. Elijah, mm-hmm. Sam, Ray, miscellaneous. We don't know who the fuck this belongs to, but it's none of ours. And then all the clutter, this is my dream now, it's not my reality. All the clutter on my kitchen table at night, which I I, I want to go to bed with my kitchen table, a clean surface, just like you mentioned. So I will be the one who does that, but I don't have to, what, what the fuck must I do with this? No, it belongs to Ray. It's going into Ray's box. This will go into Sam's box and everybody will have their box and you put the shit away and you hand the box of shit over to the person it belongs to, and they it's their job to sort it out. That I, is my dream. That's that's interesting. First of all, that, that sounds like it could work for me, and secondly, I may just as well get like a five liter plastic tub and put a massive sign on it that says "Red." <laughs> that's it not Josh not Charlene just Rhett and do you think he'll Screw empty it or will you just have a whole bunch of five, oh, no, it'll just all end up tubs. in that thing and I will start yelling at him about why is all this shit still in this <laughs> tub and then he's gonna pack away some of it and get sidetracked and yeah because it'll be like plain scruffies yes. and some the little m- the weirdest things along belongs to something like a velcro strip I was like Rhett what is this on Saturday, waving it in his face. What is this? <laughs> oh no, I think it came off of something in the car. I was like, can it go back into the car? No, it's not original part. It doesn't actually belong in the car. That's why I took it out. I was like, so what do we do with it now? Put it in All the this dust time, like bin. waving it. Yeah. I like, know oh, we can get rid of it. I'm like, why didn't you just get rid of it to begin with? Anyway, so yeah, that's how it goes in my household. So I think the little baskets could work. Okay, lacquer. Lacquer. I'm going to try it out. You survived an interesting little um, uh, milestone in in your parenting life. I did, and I think it goes hand in hand with how I'm I'm kicking ass. Mm -hmm. I'm surviving not uh, working too late at night. I'm surviving sober October in May, Um, and I survived Baker's Day. And folks. That's what we'll be chatting about today. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Okay. Baker's Day, my favorite holiday of the term, <laughs> each term. I've only Not. recently been introduced to it. So. Uh, okay, it was my first Baker's Day last week. So was it your I first ha- one? It was my first uh, one. Okay, because I'm also a Baker's Day virgin. So. I will tell you what happened at Elijah's old school and I'll tell you what happens at his new school. And what happens at his new school seems to be the trend. Okay. So with the younger classes in particular – it was a, it seemed a bit counterintuitive. We always used to bring baked goods mm-hmm. and then bring money to buy the baked goods. And the kids had nothing to do with it. So Except for they get to buy it on the day. Yeah, so teacher Tembi's class um, is having a fundraiser and you must bring baked goods. So it's basically the parents spending money to give, also to give money to mm-hmm. the school, mm-hmm. which is just like silly. You And they always like... Uh, opt to make the cupcakes less than what they're worth. So, sure, if you're making the cupcakes and you're selling them for 15 rand each, or it wouldn't even go that far, 5 rand each, maybe, yeah, okay, you're making money. I don't, although I don't know. Um, but most parents will go to Woolies, buy a pack of 12 cupcakes for, I don't know what that goes for now, 40, no 50, idea. 60 rand, but no. the whole pack from the school will be sold for 20 rand. Okay. So, in my logical brain, I'm going, how about I just give you the 50, 60 rand that I spent on the cupcakes and just put it into your kitty? Yeah, because I'm going to have to give my kid five rand over and above the 45 <laughs> rand or that the I 50 spent. rand to buy back a cupcake so, that I've already paid for. And <laughs> all the parents that are raising money for the school are spending more money on buying the goods than what is being made by the school 
in selling the goods. Which does make sense, but you don't have the element of I'm a little kid and I have my yeah. money and in exchange for my money, I get to buy a product. I think though, I think Elijah was too young. Mm. Because it was always me buying the cupcakes for my office at the time or whatnot. Mm, it was mm. never, um, it was never Elijah being. A, now, of course, he would be excited to go and buy his baked goods. But I mean, maybe it was also the way they managed it at that school. So, yeah, it was a little bit silly. But the new school, mm-hmm. and the, when I asked, because I I go and I like stick my nose in it, and I'm just like, what must I do, and how, and mm. what is the point, yeah, and what tell me exactly what this, you yeah. want me to do, because I need to block out some time in my day, and I I want do I don't want to be spending time doing the wrong thing, and, and like I want to do it properly, defeating the you know, other purpose. Mm. So the principal explained it to me, and it makes a lot of sense. It's teaching kids entrepreneurial skills early entrepreneurial skills and quality time with mom Mm -hmm. or dad so you um go home with your kid the day before baker's day they're baker's man or woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and that you spend time baking with them something creative to sell to the class the next day Mm -hmm. and then all the kids bring their five rand for the next day and the kid gets to wear a little baker's hat and an apron and he's baker's man for the day. Mm-hmm. And um, all the kids come and he has his little kitty there. And I mean, it's bloody cute. These little two-year-olds come and hand a five rand coin over to their friend and their friend takes their baked good, whatever it may be, and hand it over to their friend. He sells his produce sells or she his sells pro- her produce so to yeah, her customers. Exactly. Your kid gets the idea that, hey, I spent time making this yesterday and now I'm selling it for money. Mm-hmm. They don't get to keep the money. I do think it goes towards the school for yes. fundraising or whatever, but they get the idea and mm-hmm. they're special for that day because they are selling their goods and mm-hmm. so it rotates so, and you have a similar thing at your school. Exact same concept, just called Star Baker. So the individual is Star Baker for the day. They're the little star who baked the goods. And it doesn't have to, it can be any kind of creation that is edible. So it doesn't have to be cakes or biscuits or whatever. And some of the moms have actually really seen some cute stuff and what I really love what I've seen so far since the beginning of the year what the other star bakers have done is you can clearly see the kids creative stamp oh really on it that's nice like for uh, a lot of like some of them are so messy yeah and like you can see it it's not these you can see the kid was actually involved made cupcakes it's their creation and it's their thing so yeah it's it's cute I think it's really cute it is until you put Sam in a kitchen and ask her to bake. Oh, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm about, it's about to happen to me. Lucky. So I hear you. <laughs> so I, I mean. Tell me. I prepped, hey. I prepped for this whole year in preparation for Baker's Day. Mind you as well, there's an added element to this that you know I'm a sugar-free household, mo- a mostly sugar-free household. Mm-hmm. And... um. I asked the principal, okay, but, you know, normal cupcakes? She's like, please, for the love of peace, if you could try make it a bit of a healthier option, fruit skewers even. Or, and for the longest time I thought, let me do fruit skewers. Until you see Elijah's face when cupcakes or ice cream is mentioned. I hear you, yes. He loves cupcakes. I don't know how or why he got exposed to it, but he just... He thinks it's the bomb.com. Well, he's obviously had them at school. Yes. So I think mm-hmm. that's, it's like a huge treat for mm. him. Mm. So I thought I have to do cupcakes. And you know what? I can do sugar free cupcakes. So I practiced and every opportunity I got, oh, it's someone's birthday. I'm going to bake cupcakes. Oh, um, Elijah's, you know, sort of got midterm break. We're going to bake cupcakes together. So I, I literally <laughs> practiced and put into motion these cupcakes, sugar-free cupcakes, really tasty with a buttercream icing, the works. You wouldn't believe that those cupcakes are sugar-free okay. and made them successfully. Repeatedly. Le- repeatedly. On previous occasions. Leading up to Baker's Day. Then in the weeks leading up to Baker's Day, I saw somewhere cupcakes in a cone and thought, Elijah's second love is ice cream. 
So you can have a cone. You can have a cone. Cupcake. I've seen those too. And I also thought that was a great so idea. so nice because you ice them and put your treats on them and they look like ice creams. But obviously ice cream is a bit um, – it's not practical for Baker's Day exactly. at school. So, yeah, I, it looks proper like an ice cream. So I was like, this can't be that hard. And I, you know, Googled it, found a recipe and everything and tried it out and had backup. So I was quite sanguine about it. And I was just like, this might not pan out. Let me see how it goes. I then, uh, on the day that I committed to doing, well, the day that I committed to doing the cupcakes was the day after we voted. Yes. On the 8th of May. And I had people over that the day. So I was just like, and my brother and sister messaged me and said, you know, what are you guys doing after you vote? And I said, I just need to get some baking done. But other than that, nothing. Other than that, nothing. <laughs> that is all I had to do that day. That is what I had to do. And I didn't do it until everybody left my house at nine o'clock that night. Oh. So there I was sitting and I was just like, no problem. This will take an hour. Well... The cupcake, the the ice cream cupcakes were a big fat flop. <laughs> like five of them out of 30 took. Oh they, no. You need to strategically place them in the oven pan so that they don't fall. Okay. And I don't know, everything just fell. And then the bottoms burned. So somehow they need to not directly touch the bottom of the pan. They need to be suspended by like a centimeter above the Good the heavens. bottom of the pan and they need to stay like up straight otherwise they fall and the whole mixture leaks out and that's what happened to me it was a stuff up okay note. but and I was calm I was like okay it was the first time I tried it but I've been practicing the regular sugar free cupcakes for months now and I know those work where was Elijah during all of this? At he's nine o'clock sleeping. at night, I'm assuming he's sleeping. No, he's sleeping. So yeah. I have tried to bake with him before. Yes, I should have mentioned that. And it gets very – and he's also not interested in the, the pre-process. So yeah, to involve When there's him, like egg and stuff, Josh thinks that's the icing. So he wants to keep eating yeah. the raw batter from yeah. the bowl. I'm like – So mm. at this point, um, maybe when he's four or five mm. – he'll be more interested in the the earlier bits of the process. But for now... The end result is more it's the, the end result. And actually, like, he can put the cupcake liners in the pan and mm. he loves doing that and then icing it and putting the decorations yes. on. But yes. he'll do maybe two and then, and then take one to eat and walk away. Mm, mm. So I thought I'd do most of the work the day before. Mm -hmm. And then overnight, let the cupcakes cool. Okay, scrap the ice cream cupcakes now. That didn't okay. work. Thought, okay, I know the cupcakes are going to work. Made a whole other batch. Put them in the oven. Confident. They'll cool. I'll wake up early in the morning with Elijah and we'll ice his cupcakes with his friends and decorate a few. And when he loses interest, I'll just finish the rest. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. Wow. I look 20 minutes in. Uh, they should only be baking for 20 minutes, so it's uh, maybe 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes in. And the batter that I've been making for months the same way with all the same ingredients is overflowing. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. Did you not maybe put like an extra egg know. in? Or I don't know. They were a bit bigger eggs, according to Ray. I don't know. I don't know what – something went wrong. This something is what I don't up. get about baking. Yeah. I don't know. And what irritates me is then you'll ask someone, okay, so do you use large eggs or extra large eggs? I don't know. I, I don't just, know. I just, just whatever eggs. eggs I can get. I do that. Mine is a gigantic flop. Can I tell you as well, a cup of flour does not weigh the same as a cup of uh, xylitol or sugar. Mm. And a cup of xylitol does not weigh the same as a cup of sugar. So I sit there literally googling this like the, yes the conversion the conversions mm, to get mm, it exactly mm. right because i'm that person and then it still flops and it still flops and that's when i just broke down i was just like that does not surprise me in the least i would have gone crazy like you're a woman trying to do it all and on top of everything comes baker's day and then just takes a big dump on your head 
that you know you're trying to have that quality time with your child let his first baker's day be um, a memorable experience and he make good memories and you want you don't want your cupcakes to be an embarrassment for your kid or you know and you, exactly and then at the same time your your family calls and wants to do a braai on voters day because that's what's lacquer and that's what we do and i don't regret that but i'm hosting them and i'm making the cupcakes for my child and the and next day you know, i'm doing you find one yourself under pressure in tears and you're just like i'm going to ruin baker's day for my kid and Yes, this is his first despite one. months of practicing ahead of this, who practices for shit like that? I do. I've st- no, you see, <laughs> we're as crazy as the other. Yeah. I, it was, yeah. So uh. what I ended up doing, I thought, okay, I'm going to make an early morning trip to Willie's. That's what's going to happen now. Mm. Unfortunately. I'm going to have him ice the botched cupcakes and make him think that that was his contribution and then just buy other cupcakes and he's two and I'll make it up the next one and after my cry that's what I what I did but I'm more tenacious than that and Mm -hmm. just bullheaded I think and I ended up because they were half baked essentially so I ended up cutting the tops off and putting them back in the oven and (laughs) baking them until they were ready baked and putting icing on top of that and they looked okay but the bottom was a bit burnt. No <laughs> well, the paper, the paper was burnt, not yes. the actual cake. Yes. So they tasted fine. But if I was, what's the Great British? If I was on the Great British Bake Off or something, like I would, I would be You'd dead. Been out of there. Yeah, out of there, out of there. <laughs> they were not great looking. But uh. well, like, what I keep telling everybody is, luckily, two-year-olds aren't. Uh, cupcake connoisseurs exactly. they just see icing oh and i put speckled eggs on and i colored the icing so i got that all right thank goodness that's all they see they see cupcakes and they see the fun in it and they weren't going yes elijah could your mom not have done a better job can here? i tell you something <laughs> they probably only licked off the icing and left the well, actual exactly. damn cake in the end because exactly. that's what my kid well does. that's what my kid does too so, I mean, all of those, all of this pressure, this making a sugar-free something that looks nice, that your kid is involved in, <laughs> it's, it has to tick a hell of a lot of boxes, it's a lot as it of turns boxes. out. It's a lot of boxes and a lot of pressure. And might I just add here to the pressure that week that it was Mother's Day that Sunday. <laughs> and God bless the rhino moms of Elijah's school. Elijah's in the rhino class. Okay. Um, it, it's me, not you guys. If anybody's listening, it's me, not you. But that week as well, we had to, We there was a discussion on the group of, what are we going to be getting the teachers for Mother's Day? Oh, Um, Because that's Friday. So Thursday was Baker's Day. Friday was teacher's gifts. And I was just like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> that is very, that is poignant. <laughs> I am laughing so much because I have had a Jesus, take the wheel moment way too often of late. <laughs> oh, that is spectacular. Well, well, thank you very much for terrifying me. <laughs> Good luck. For my upcoming luck. Baker's Day. Tell us what you plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've tried two different recipes um, because I thought maybe it might be easier to make my um, old faithful uh, microwave cake into cupcakes. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> it turns out that microwave cake is much better as a cake. It's, it's <laughs> not in cupcakes. It's, it's rubber. It's rubber when oh, they're shucks. little cupcakes okay. because the cooking time's obviously different when the dough or the batter is split up into smaller uh, portions. Okay. So yeah, it's not going to be that one. Instead, I'm going to make the pre-mixed chocolate cupcake mix that I used for Joshua's birthday in January, which was also a trial run for <laughs> Baker's Day. Um, turned out perfectly and he loved it. And he has, I asked him what he wanted to do for Baker's Day and he said he wanted cupcakes and they must be chocolate and they must have chocolate icing with Easter eggs on top. Uh-huh. So this was her, his request. And so he's got like a bag of plastic Easter eggs. There's only 12 and I need to do 18 
items for the kids at school and he wants the plastic Easter egg to be the decoration on top of the cake. Aren't they big? Oh, he wants the actual cake, huh? No, no. So he wants a little, a like a normal cupcake and then the egg is probably the size of like a five rand coin. Okay. It's, just, it's a plastic little egg. Yeah. Like you get a, a small bauble, a Christmas bauble that hangs on the tree. These are these are little Easter, Easter egg eggs. baubles that okay. have a little lint thing tied to them. Ah. He saw it in like a crazy store at like a flower spot or whatever. It's like 15 rand for the bag of eggs and he was like, I want these. I said to him, you can't eat them. No, 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 it's fine. I just, I want them because they're colorful and they're so lovely. Were his exact words. So I was like, 15 rand, you got him, baby. Okay. And so he's got this pack of, of Easter eggs and he's like, can we use these on my cupcakes? It's like, they're not edible, my boy. You just, you can't eat them. It's fine. They'll just look beautiful. Okay. So I was like, well, this is very creative. We'll put them on there if you want. This is your creative flair. Who am I to tell you not to explore your creativity? I'll just have to give the teacher a heads up that they're not edible. Hopefully they don't. And what end are you going to do? Because they are only twelve. Choking hazard. Well, this is the thing. I'm going to go back to the flower spot and buy another bag of those eggs. But <laughs> Josh won't have it. He's just like, "Mommy, there's more and more than enough in this bag." I'm like, "Joshua, there's only twelve. You have eighteen friends. Eighteen is more than twelve. Mommy, I'm telling you, there's more than enough." I'm like, "Can't we rather buy speckled eggs that you can that you eat, can eat yeah. and put those on top of the cupcakes?" No, mommy. These are more. These will be more than enough. These are perfect. So you're gonna have to sneak in those. I'm still gonna have ones. to negotiate the decorations of the cupcakes. Okay, but it. as far as I know, we've got the premix batter. You just add like eggs and milk, beat the stuff, pour it in the tray, pop it in the oven, and Bob's your uncle. So hopefully it's that simple. I'm not gonna make the batter from scratch. I'm using a premix. Thing. Yeah, well, don't take my recipe. <laughs> I don't even have a recipe. So, and every usually things I cook from scratch from a like stock standard recipe, adding the flour and the baking, but I never get the ratios right. So I'm quite terrified. But yeah, and uh, and also, Thursday, he's star baker on Friday. It's Thursday and Friday. These uh, t- Thursday, I've got to bake. Friday, it's got to go to school. And this week. Rhett is so busy at work, he's going to be home late. So I'm going to have to manage dinner, Jess. bath time, baking with two kids. Oh, my Lord. That's what I'm doing this week. So I, I'm terrified. I will let you know when I get to the other side. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to tell you what the other side of my experience was, and it might make you feel better. Right. I, the teachers take photos and then send it to you and say thank you to everybody, you know, about uh, for letting yes. Elijah partake in Baker's Day and for bringing your five rands. He has a couple of pics of our Baker's Man today. And I got the picture of my little Baker's Man. And he was just... Oh, smiling I, from ear to he was ear. Smiling. He was so proud oh. and happy yeah. to be... Baker's man. And I suppose all of that just fades into the abyss and he, it doesn't really matter then. He, if he remembers Baker's Day at all, he'll remember that. Yeah. He won't remember me broken in the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night. Well, that's great also because he, he didn't, he wasn't subjected to that. So that's exactly. great. Yes. So I'll remember that, but I'll also remember the big fat smile on his face and how he spoke about it afterwards. And I think that as moms is what we hold on to. Okay, Charlene, on to more important things that will actually matter in five years' time. <laughs> because my flopped uh, ice cream cupcakes... In the greater uh, scheme of things. In the greater scheme of things don't matter as much as they did that night. Exactly. <laughs> Huddled in a ball on my kitchen floor. No. <laughs> um, but I did. I recently caught up with a mom... Um, who I greatly admire for reasons we'll all hear about in the five minutes. And she's doing things that will matter in five years' time. Okay, who did you chat to, Sam? Okay, an amazing individual whose story I absolutely love. Amelia Mayer is a freelance writer and editor based in beautiful Neisner. She's doing what I do, only in a much uh, more beautiful setting. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And she is author of the book, uh, Finding My Forever Family, a personalized adventure storybook about adoption. Um, Also founder of the blog, Suddenly a Mom, which we'll hear about in this interview. So um, back to the book, I caught sight of uh, this book about adoption while trolling her business blog. And I'm so excited to have caught up with her recently uh, to hear more about her unique family life and the reason for her blog, uh, Suddenly a Mom. And uh, yeah, the reason for her blog, the reason for her book and, and how she came up for it. So have a listen. Hello, Amelia, and welcome to the Great Equalizer podcast. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for joining us. So I think mm-hmm. let's get straight to it. We ask uh, most of our guests, uh, especially those we know who are of the mothering kind, um, a little bit mm-hmm. more about your family. We want to know more about your family. So essentially, who lives in your house? Well, we're a pretty small family. It's my husband and my daughter and I. We, um, we don't have any furry children or anything, but our only child keeps us very busy. We live in Nasna, which is really, really beautiful. There's always lots to do. So, yeah, we spend a lot of time outdoors and just enjoying the garden route. Oh, man, I think I could wax lyrical about Nasna. Like, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I love that place. It's like you're on permanent holiday. Yeah, it does feel like that sometimes. So, Amelia, I came to know you as a professional. You do pretty much what I do, and you have some amazing resources on your website. But I also came to find that you are a blogger and have a blog called uh, Suddenly a Mom. So, bring us into that. Bring us into that. Why Suddenly a Mom? Well, what happened was that um, my husband's first wife, who's also my daughter, her name, my daughter's name is Katie. Katie's biological mom. She passed away. So he and I then met about four and a half years ago, and we've been married for four years. But that's how I suddenly became a mom. I had an instant six-year-old. And did you plan and on having kids before? Not ever. I, <laughs> I was once broody when I was about 26. I was broody for about three weeks, and then the feeling passed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite a shock to the system but a, a good one you know yeah so you you fell in love mm-hmm. with this man and he was a widower and happened mm-hmm. to have a six-year-old uh katie and you 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 were suddenly a mom you fell into it are you are you her <laughs> adoptive mom do you consider yourself i haven't formally adopted her because um, it was such a long and expensive process and there isn't really a need. There's not a biological mom in the picture and so if anything ever happens to my husband, I have custody of her because of what's in his will. So we decided that it wasn't really necessary for me to go through the formal adoption process. Well, I mean, this is what uh, Charlene and I have have been discussing basically is that yeah, you are, and uh, we we mentioned it a bit before when we were chatting. In that, uh, you drive her to school. You um, are there for mm-hmm. her when when she's afraid. You will be mm-hmm. there for her. I'm assuming when she starts her period. You know, like all of the things That's that it. that a mom will be, and um, you know, what how how is society kind of accepted? That do you feel that there's a little bit uh, left to be desired in in how people treat you as a mom, as a mother? I, I do definitely. Um, although I don't blame people, I understand where they're coming from and what their um, their insight is into the situation or their perspective on the situation. But like we were chatting about, is I do all the things and people do expect me to act like a mom if ever you know I feel especially the people sort of that knew that knew my husband and daughter before I came into the picture they've got high expectations Mm. of what I should be like or should be doing for her but um they will also often remind me that I'm not the real mom and that's kind of hard because I think well but then (laughs) what are we doing this for you know yeah but she doesn't feel that way you know, we have a really, really close relationship. She sees me as her only mom. 
she doesn't um, ever sort of express any doubts about my role or who I am or how much I love her or anything. So I do understand where others are coming from, but it can be a bit of a challenge to overcome that, especially if they disagree with um, my approach, maybe my parenting approach. I'm quite um, committed (laughs) to good nutrition and things. And I think um, some moms sometimes feel like I'm really strict. And they've actually expressed to me that if it was her biological mom, they wouldn't have batted an eyelid as the, the choices that I make or the decisions that I make for how Katie eats or um, understands what she's eating. It's more, I'm more um, promoting awareness about what you're eating and how it's affecting your body, how it makes you feel. And they told me that if it was her biological mom, they wouldn't think twice about it. But because it's me, they sometimes feel that I don't have those sorts of rights, which is hard to hear. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I appreciate honesty. Yeah, it's nice that people have been open <laughs> a, with you about that and that it, mm. it's great. I mean, I must applaud you for employing such grace in in the whole situation. And I just what I what I can't really grasp um you know or or come to comprehend <laughs> is that the rest of us I'm talking biological moms, had a good nine Uh to ten months or more if you planned on having kids. I mean, I knew I was going to have kids before I knew I was going to get married, you know. (laughs) I just was always (laughs) going to be a mom. And I just, I had all of that time to prepare for a child and and to think about how I would raise this child. But you landed in the deep end and pretty much just learned learned to swim. Had to, you know, kick it or kick the bucket type of thing. Yeah, I think, though, that if you were in a different um, position, you would also adjust. The human spirit is one of adjustment. We we um, fit in very well. You know, I often say if we knew the things that were coming, we would think we would never be able to deal with it. Mm. If I had known, because I was married before, if I had known I was going to go through such a hurtful divorce and things, I would have thought, oh, I'll never be able to cope with all of that. But obviously, when it happens, you have the support and you make a way and you get through it. And so I think that we are, we're all resilient. But I must also include that she's a really, really easy child. She's like such a chilled, happy, positive little girl. She's very easy to get on with. She's easy to love, you know. People who meet her love her easily. So I do have a bit of an unfair advantage. <laughs> I love that. So you you did mention some challenges. What are some other challenges that you might list as sort of an adoptive parent that suddenly lands into this all important role? I do think that when you've been pregnant, you've kind of physically um, there's, there's a physical change that happens where you're sharing your body. And it might sound like such a small thing, but I've never had to share. I'm an only child. I've never had to share my body or my space, you know, my personal bubble with anyone. And that's been really hard. Is just that it doesn't matter if I'm hot or I'm busy or whatever. I just wanted some me time. If she wants to come and sit like right on top of me and talk about feelings, <laughs> I have had to learn and not always successfully. <laughs> to share my space and time with her in a very intimate, personal way that I wouldn't have to do with anyone else, you know? Jeez, yeah. So that's been a bit of a challenge for me. I mean, being (laughs) touched out and not having your own personal space is um, Mm. kind of something that you need to prepare for. Um, That's it. And I think biological moms have it differently, sorry to interrupt, Um, because from the time that they're pregnant, there's a person inside you and then as soon as the baby is born, they're always on you. They're feeding off your body. They're, they're nurtured by physical contact. And so a, a special kind of bond forms there that I think as an adoptive parent, you sometimes have to engineer, especially at first. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the biggest rewards specifically as an adoptive parent? Well, I think that there are loads of rewards to any kind of parent, whether you're an adoptive or a step parent or a biological parent, it's amazing to watch a person grow and develop. But I think in this situation, I've really learned so much about the resilience of children, especially, and just how the human spirit is built to survive. My daughter has um, got such a positive outlook. She's beauty as her mom. From before we were even married, she called me mom. And all I've learned that all children 
and people really need is love and support and assistance. I think adults with our complicated context often put a lot of emotions and um, yeah, com- complex things onto a situation because of our own experiences. But children are simple. They have got care and they just want love. They don't really focus as much on a gene as I think adults often do. And it's taught me a lot. It's taught me to focus on the simple things. I love that. And I love um, how in tune you are to, to children's needs. And that actually, I think, brings me to to your book, <coughs> Finding My Forever Family. I love the story of how it came about and um, mm-hmm. and how you've crafted it. So if you could just share with our listeners as well, exactly um, what's the origins of your book, Finding My Forever Family? Um, I was contacted almost two years ago by an adoptive mom whose social worker had advised her to read a little boy's story about being adopted. So that, and the, in the story, it was the little child would have his name, so that he would always know from the beginning that he was adopted. And right from when she told me about this concept, I loved it. I told her straight away, I'd love to follow this through and offer it to other families. In the story that she wanted was kind of different to what I had in mind. She um, had a different focus. So once I'd done that book for her, I got hold of a couple of social workers, faith therapists, adopted children that are now adults, and also adopted parents. And um, I also did a lot of online research. Just in finding out what the areas of concern are, what the... Um, sensitive things are, sensitive areas are for adopted children and their families. And one of the things that I found out was that um, one of the most traumatic things for an adopted child is to remember the day that they were told that they were adopted. So even if it was done in the kindest, most loving way, it was traumatic for them because it was brand new information. It was the whole world was rocked. The whole world was put upside down. And so they were stressing, the social workers and, and therapists were stressing how important it is that the child never has to learn about their adoption on one specific occasion. And so it must be part of their narrative from when they're very tiny. And that's how the book was born because I started writing a book that could act as a template so that I could use that for any child to explain to them adoption. So the books are customizable, which is a big advantage because it means that each in each book, it's his name, is the child's name. There, if there are any details that the parents know about their birth, how much they weighed or where they were born, I can include those. But also things like how it describes the biological mother. Well, that's quite a sensitive topic. You don't want to over-romanticize the birth mother because that can lead to issues about longing for her or feeling that they might have been taken unfairly. Mm. But you also don't want to demonize her. You don't want to make her an evil person that doesn't care about them. So that was quite a challenge. And um, I worked quite closely with the social workers in explaining it. And so in the book, she's presented in terms of her role. So she provided a safe, warm place for the baby to grow big and strong, but she realized that she wasn't ready to be a forever mom, and so because she felt that the baby deserved the very best, she um, gave it up for adoption so that they could be with this forever family who would love them and care for them in the way that they deserved. And then it kind of goes a little bit fairy tale where the child goes off on their adventure and lots of animal families. And although that is to appeal to children, um, to fasting for them to see the baby talking to elephants and things, mm-hmm. but that had an important um, uh, role or focus is because so many adoptive families are on the place. So the parents are maybe a different color to the child that they adopt. And so using animal families was a good way or an effective way because you don't have to look like your family. Love. Family and love isn't about being the same color as the people around you. Um, 
And then, yeah, right towards the end, they are united with their forever family. And then there's another opportunity for um, customization where the parents can talk about what they want to do with the child. There are, there's a space for a personal message from the parents to the child for some photographs. So there's no doubt in the child's mind that they are the character in the book. But it's fun, it's kind, it's gentle, and it also deals with some big topics, but in a age appropriate way. I love that you normalize uh the adoption from the very beginning because at the end of the day that's that's the norm and that's the narrative that's theirs that belongs to them so it's, it's, it's a very honest although the animal part of it is is kind of fantastical um the whole theory about or the whole process of adoption and their role the role of the mother is a very honest one and i think that that's important to be honest with children Oh, I'm I'm in love with this. The the second I saw it, I thought I have to have her on the show. This is this is what we're about. Um, just educating people and also just not, you know, just guidance of how to deal with with our children in a, in a particular way. I think there's a lot that birth parents. Um, who you know aren't even considering adoption. You know, have we have so much to learn about the way that you've approached this? So thank you, and oh, thank, thank you, you for I your contribution. Uh, lastly, Amelia, I'm super curious as a writer myself. Are there any other books in your future? There definitely are. Um, I have another kids, another children's book. It's not going to be customers. It's just a little. My husband and I were chatting about it the other day, and I said, "But it's not really going to help anyone. It's just a a little adventure book." But I've got it in me, and I've got to get it out. (laughs) I need to write that sometime. But I think I need a, a good holiday to focus my mind on that. Well, I don't know where you're going to go on holiday because you live in Leisner, so. That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is a good point. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's exciting, though. Well, Please take that holiday so we can you. get a hold of that book. <laughs> Thanks. And um, I would like, a few um, parents have asked for Afrikaans versions of this book, so that is in the process. I've got a translator working on it at the moment. And I also want to put out feelers about other sort of important needs. So children that have got, whose parents are divorced mm. or children whose parents have died, one of their parents have died. Mm. Um, I'd like to kind of explore how much of a need there is for helpful books in, under those umbrellas. But that's also just going to take time and a lot of research. So maybe. Awesome. I look forward to it. I really do. And again, I must applaud you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. That was really nice. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you you know, you never think of that side of parenthood if you're not in it or if it's not in your immediate circle. Which is why I explored this, um, mm. because if um, any of our listeners were listening closely, you would have known that um, autism and our diversity episode, so autism awareness and our diversity episode were supposed to come in three parts uh, to kind of celebrate diversity. And the last part was supposed to be an episode on adoption, Yeah, um, which is imminent. It is coming uh, but I I stopped it uh, because there is so much to it. There are so many layers and I want to do it right and I want to do these parents um, a service by, by showcasing them. Much like I tried to do with the autism awareness episode, I really want to, to explore adoption, but I want to communicate communicate it in a way that gives kudos to the right people. Um, and one of these people was Amelia. Uh, and I just, I, I did, I fell in love with the concept of this book and I was just like, how beautiful to make uh, one's adoption story their new normal. Because these these kids, I feel, are trying to fit into a world where having a mom and a dad is 
the the right way. Mm. They having a biological mom and dad mm. is the right way, and theirs is perhaps wrong because it's other. Exactly, and these families where children have been adopted into a family where there's a mom and a mom, or there's a dad and a dad. Yeah, because typically those two genders can't can't. Uh, have children so your options are surrogacy adoption that kind of thing or in Amelia's case um you fall into this role of motherhood and just because you didn't give birth to this human being what you're not you don't have a say just Mm. like she was saying people have been very honest with her that you know while if it was the biological mom she wouldn't be half as crazy about um nutrition well, not even that. If you were the biological mom, we would, would accept. You would have the right to be strict with nutrition, but because you're not, you don't really have that right. Yeah. Crazy. You still want what's best for your kids. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can totally get that. The other thing I was just thinking about is, so, say, for example, Amelia wanted to have children of her own, and that was always her plan, but she had fallen in love with this man who already had a child, and she found, finds herself now in this scenario where she's adopted this child, and she still wants a child of her own, and then they proceed to have another biological child as a married couple. What does that do to the dynamic yeah. of the family if there's an adopted child who's only biologically related to one of the the parents and the other child is biologically related to both of the parents. I mean, there's a whole other dynamic there. So there's so much that can be discussed on this point and I think only the people that live it can share that with us because you and I have no experience with this. exactly. We are not in it. I find it very intriguing and I I am so um, uh, moved by it. Yeah, and, and I just I really must applaud her again. I applauded her many a time in the interview. <laughs> um, but just but there's so this, much that's worth applauding. I mean, this book just to give this the personalization, mm. the hair color traits of the baby at birth or the child when you first met them. It's wonderful because that so much thought goes into that. It's stuff that we take for granted. Yeah. Little Easter eggs in this book that are particular to the child that makes them feel special and loved and wanted and she just got so much to say that I think to myself well how can you look at a woman like that who is so in tune with children and and who if you look at her blog and her Instagram posts and whatever who is so clearly in love with um her her daughter yeah yeah how can you turn around and say, but you're not the biological but mom. But the truth is, you so would, she, if you didn't you know, you wouldn't much. look at that and, and think that she wasn't biologically related you to that child. So again, like I've been saying with the or through the, the autism episode, throughout the diversity episode, retraining your brain to look at an adoptive parent in the same way that we do a biological parent, you are equal just because that person came into that child came into their house in a different manner to which your child came into yours doesn't make them any less of a family doesn't make that person any less of a parent exactly in fact it might be even more challenging for them to relate to that role and it might not it, it not might it is definitely more difficult or challenging for them to relate to that role because like she rightfully said in her, her interview your body has had the opportunity to prepare for what is going to happen yeah. to you. You have made those sacrifices because you have lived it. This person has grown inside your womb. You have to give that same love, selfless love, and realize that this kid owes you nothing because you chose to be a parent. You have to they don't owe you anything. You are just their parent and they deserve the best parent possible right and there's no thanks for that because they're going to grow up live their own lives and be like mom i love you sweet it's been real and live their own lives and yes maybe you're lucky and you get an amazing kid who who dotes on you and feels forever in your debt because you were a fantastic parent maybe they don't life happens but just because you didn't give birth to that kid doesn't mean you won't have the same responsibilities you'll be held to the same standards yeah so um, to all of the adoptive parents out there or to those who know them, 
Uh, we want to put you in touch. Well, we are going to put you in touch with Amelia so that you can get hold of her book. But also to you, Amelia, and to all the adoptive parents who are raising these kids, I just want to give you a, a <laughs> yeah. We see you. Mm-hmm. We see you and we salute you and you are also doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. Something that stood out for me that I just want to highlight as a, like a takeaway from what when I spoke to or when, when you spoke to and having listened to what you spoke about was how she said the human spirit is one of adjustment. It's resilient. It's within us to want to survive or get through things or cope with things. And um, you can do it. Regardless of what, and this applies, it, it was poignant to me because it applies to so much within the parenting realm. The right. realm. There's yeah. so much that you need to overcome at, that you're faced with, but you can do it. It's, you you it's have a resilient spirit. You are capable. It is possible. And I forget that sometimes. You just got to put one foot in front of the other and get decide what you want to achieve and get there. And then another thing she mentioned was all people, kids and people, really just need love and support. Yeah, that was a big takeaway from I still me. need that today. I'm a grown-ass woman and I just need <laughs> love and support. So if you want to get hold of Amelia and you want to get hold of her book, uh, you can go to her website, www.voxate.co.za or contact her directly via email, amelia at voxate.co.za. These will all be in the show notes. Charlene, what else did we learn today? Well, we learned to not be fearful of the Great Baker Day. Uh, <laughs> again, um, it is within you. <laughs> the human spirit is one of adjustment, and you can do it. <laughs> and at the, at the end of the day, if you can't, Jesus can take the wheel. Exactly, right? <laughs> He will take the wheel, and we will roll with the punches. Yeah. So I think don't fear Baker's Day. Remember, there's a big, grateful, happy smile at the end of it. That's and it. That's what it's about. Remember. No, my big takeaway from the whole Baker's Day thing was no two-year-old is a cupcake connoisseur. So while you're in that phase, go for it. And and you know what else we did not mention? Ain't no shame in getting those Woolies cupcakes, guys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take it from me. If that midnight cry on the floor that I had is something that you you see yourself heading towards, just make a detour and just make an appointment with Auntie Woolies. And Even if pick you up your scrape cup. off all the icing, <laughs> mix it into a bowl with some newly made icing and you redecorate them together. Yes. There we go. There you are. There you <laughs> No judges. You do you. You do what <laughs> you need to do. <laughs> hey, send us some pics of your baker's days, guys. Yeah, on Instagram, just share some pics or on Facebook. Tag us. We'd love to see it for inspiration purposes please mine's up on friday i need help <laughs> even the successful ones the the ones that look beautiful we have a mutual friend who made little airplanes out of boudoir biscuits i hate you <laughs> so much yeah. your baker's day came out so lovely and well done yeah thanks for for putting <laughs> raising the bar so we all now have to try and jump over it <laughs> yeah anyways i think bottom line if it doesn't matter um in the next five years there's no point in stressing about it these five minutes exactly yeah. guys it's been so good to be back i i really did miss this i feel like Jeez, when yeah. we started I, I felt like i was fumbling about but now it just feels like good warm cocoa or hot chocolate or coffee those things that you can't enjoy now sam yeah all <laughs> it, of those things it feels i can enjoy a nice big hug <laughs> so we hope you missed us too guys and that this episode felt like a nice warm hug for you how about this how about we keep talking yes please that's a great idea listeners you know this we say this every week we say this in every recording we want to chat with you about the things that are relevant to you weigh in on something swear rant cry or laugh please dm us a voice note on instagram at the Great Equalizer podcast. Or record one on your phone. Easy as that. And hit us up over email, thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com. Your, su- your support is super important to us. I say this every time we record, and it's not a joke. It is genuine. Please, when we see you interact with us, every like, every love, every comment, every share, it means the world to us, and it means we are reaching a community of people that shares our views and our struggles. So please, 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 you you might overlook it, 
um, as you you kind of hit that subscribe button or whatever. And we hope you are subscribed. But uh, please don't forget, in addition to subscribing, to review us on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on Apple or rate us on Facebook. Go because, to our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast can do and the better we can serve you with our content. All right. Last but not least, tune in for next week. Yeah. Uh, tune in next week. We will be... Uh, Hitting up the guys producing Madagascar, which is uh, running in the winter holidays. You don't want to miss that. It's at the People's Theatre. And we'll be telling you more about it. We'll be going. So you want to hear about that. But also, Charlene, we're going to be discussing the newborn haze. Yeah, that is a a state of upside downness, if there is such a term. And we will be uh, really delving into that state of upside down. Yeah, so don't (laughs) miss that one, the newborn haze, whether that's coming up for you or whether it has recently happened to you or whether it is long forgotten, we will be reliving those moments. Indeed. So, guys, that's it for this week. Until next time. Keep your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we'll get back to you.